my waves get lost in the ocean. Seven billion swimmers, man, I'm going through the motions. Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Yearout, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And you know, this is the perfect time to have this guest on. Joanne DiMaggio is visiting me today. She's written a book. It's called I Did It to Myself Again. And you know, the reason I'm so excited she's here today is that we're going to talk about God, and we're going to talk about heaven, and we're going to talk about how this isn't it. There's more to life. We're just down here learning. And before I bring Joanne on, let me give you a little information about her. So sit back and relax. Let me tell you a little bit about Joanne DiMaggio. She's been actively involved with the Edgar Casey Association for Research and Enlightenment, ARE, since 1987, and has been the coordinator for ARE Charlottesville since August 2008. Now, she's earned her master's in transpersonal studies degree and her spiritual mentor certification through Atlantic University. Joanne has been given... Joanne has given talks on the subject of past life exploration and soul writing to audiences across the country. In addition, she's been the guest on nearly 70 radio programs, well, and has had several articles published in Venture Inward. She has been professionally pursuing past life research and therapy for over 30 years and once headed her own past life research center where she interacted with some of the country's leading past life professionals. She's the author of six books. Joanne has also conducted private sessions at the Unity Holistic Healing Center, a service of Unity of Charlottesville, of which she is the director. Hey, Joanne, welcome to High Road to Humanity. Hey, Nancy, thanks for having me. I'm really glad you're here with everything going on in the world. I think people need to realize that this isn't it. There's more to life. And, you know, and maybe if they did, some of this wouldn't be happening right now. What do you think? I think that's probably true. If they understood the way reincarnation works in right. that we've been all races, all religions, both sexes. I mean, you know, you'd be less likely to be um, in conflict with others understanding that. Right. Would you mind telling us your story? How did you get into doing past life regressions? How did you get into talking to, to working with the Edgar Casey Foundation? I always find that fascinating. Can you just give us a little, you know, synopsis? Sure. Yeah. Well, I've been interested in, in past life work since I was a teenager. I was uh, raised Catholic. I went to 12 years of Catholic school, mm-hmm. but the whole idea of only having one chance, like if, if you, I use the analogy of if you walk across the street uh, and you get hit by a car and and in the early days of when I was going to school, if you ate meat on Friday, that was, that was the end. You were going straight to hell. And I, that, that just, I I thought to myself, this doesn't make any sense to me. How can a loving and just God, uh, you know, ignore the fact that you've led an exemplary life, except for this one moment of forgetting that it was Friday and you had a ham sandwich. Uh, So, um, when I was a teenager, I started reading about Edgar Casey, and I was reading Ruth Montgomery and Jester, and then at that time, those were the leading 
metaphysical writers. Right. And I read the book, um, A Search for Bridie Murphy, which was written in the 50s. And that was my first introduction to reincarnation. And it made total sense to me. So I um, then kind of just grew up, got married, had a family, forgot all about it, really, until oh, okay. Shirley MacLaine came out in 1987 without on a limb. And, mm -hmm. and it was turned into a mini, a two-night miniseries. And when I saw that, it was like, I just, I woke up. It was like, um, you knew, uh, I knew it was like, well, okay. Like all the sleeping metaphysicians, I think in the world woke up after they saw that it was like, Hey, now's the time to get going. Yeah. So it reminded me of how fascinating I found that. And so from there, I was looking for like-minded groups and I found the ARE, uh, in Virginia beach. And I, I became involved. I was living in Chicago at the time they were starting to regionalize, uh, ARE was. And so I, I joined the, um, the Chicago Heartland region team and uh, became involved. And at the same time, started my own past life organization. And through both of those, I met some of the leading regression therapists in the country and then just grew from there. Yeah. I had um, Shelly Keir on the show uh, a few weeks back. I don't know if you know Shelly and she's a past life regression lady. And I, and we kind of had this conversation not too long ago about this, but it sounds like how long did you work for the um, Edgar Casey uh, foundation or how long have you been associated with them? Well, I've been volunteering for them since 1987. So that's a long time. Yeah. You know, when you, so you decided in this book, let's talk about this book a little bit. It's called, I did it to myself again, new life between lives, case studies, how, show how your soul's contract is guiding your life. Now you decided to pick out, uh, I think it's, what is it? So many, there were so many men and two women. Um, yeah, 25 total, right. 25 total people. Okay, so there were two men, is that right? And 23 women. Right, 23 women, which is unusual. I usually get more men than that, but for some reason, uh, only two of them wanted to volunteer. <laughs> okay, and they were all professionals and they decided to do this with you and you, you took them all back. Yep, we started with a past life regression, uh, taking them to the life that was most impacting them now. So this would have been the past life in which the issues that they're working on now first arose. Right. So I wanted to go back and take a look at that. What caused it to, to happen in the first place? Why didn't it get resolved back then? Exactly what happened? So we, we went through that whole past life. And then the second half of the session was the life between lives portion of it. So let's start in the beginning here. And, and let me just say this. And, and I like you quote Edgar Cayce. Uh, he says, whatever is begun on earth has to be finished on earth. And that's why we keep coming back, right? right, to, right until we exactly. get it right. Yeah. Well, okay. So as you went back, the first thing you talked about is death and what it's like to die. And you asked these people um, what it's like to die. And you had a lot of different answers. Some people said, you know, um, they watched, they, they looked down at themselves. Other people said they hung around for a while. Can you give us a little info? Yeah, everyone said that they were fully conscious at the time of death. So in other words, they knew that they were dying. Um, most of them expressed a sense of freedom, okay. a sense of release, relief. Um, for most, it was a really gentle, painless process. But a few said they felt like they were, that they were being yanked out of their body. Um, uh, 92% of them said they could move around freely. Uh, some of them stayed, but most of them left because unlike a near-death experience where 
you do hear accounts of souls that kind of hang around and, and look down at the body and watch what's going on. These folks knew that this was the end of that life and they were ready to get going and go into the afterlife to find out, well, what comes next after this. So um, those that had a traumatic death, however, um, many of them reported that their souls left their bodies before the physical death occurred. Okay. And that way they avoided the trauma of okay. that, that death. And then you say as they leave their bodies and they go up, they all saw different things. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, they, 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 I asked them to describe to me what it was like, what was the journey like from the physical to the spiritual realm? Right. Um, everyone said that, um, that it was like a shift of frequency for them. So they were talking about it as a swirling energy. They all, they mentioned floating, a feeling of floating. Um, they said they saw vivid colors. Some of them saw beams of white light. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was, um, it was a variety, but in the end it was all, there were so many similarities between what, what they what they saw and what they experienced as they were leaving the physical. Anything that surprised you about them going up into, because everybody goes up and some people saw dark, some people saw clouds, some people saw stars, you know, but they all get to a certain point, right? They all get to the pearly gates. Are there pearly gates? (laughs) (laughs) That was a question I was wondering myself. Having grown up Catholic, I always, you know, heard this story about St. Peter at the, at the pearly gates and right. with the big book and would check off your name and see whether, well, you go to the left or you go to the right. <laughs> um, uh, so St. Peter didn't pop up with any of them. Um, I did ask if they saw a gateway or an entry portal of some right. sort and was there anybody waiting for them there? Right. And um, 52% of them said that they did see a gateway. Okay. Those who didn't, though, they still had an entry point. They still talked about it, um, but not so much from a physical gateway or entry doorway right. uh, into the, uh, into the uh, afterlife. Right. One thing that I thought was interesting, is you said, some people had family who greeted them and others didn't seem to need that, but then maybe they had a spirit guide there to lead yeah. them. And I thought that was interesting. Yeah, they were, um, 88% of them said someone greeted them there. Uh, now, we were talking about that being a spirit guide of some sort. Right. Uh, and many of them recognized that as a family member, but some of them recognized it as a, a spirit entity that had been with them uh, before. So they knew them from other lifetimes and, and other uh, sojourns into the afterlife. Um, those that weren't, greeted I thought I wonder if they're gonna feel slighted or they're gonna feel left out but they didn't they just said I know where I'm going get out of my way I'm just gonna go there you know and so um so it was interesting uh uh in that regard but uh but uh, but most of them like I said were greeted by somebody who's then gonna act as their guide uh, in the afterlife Awesome. Hey, listen, we're getting ready to go to commercial break. This goes by quick. But when we come back, let's talk about what happens after they get to heaven, because this is just fascinating stuff. And, you know, I have to tell you, it really um, made me feel better about, I mean, I know there's an afterlife. I'm spiritual and, and I grew up in the church as well. But it's nice to have somebody say, and I'm so glad you did this research, Joanne, because it's nice to have confirmation that, yes, 
you know, this is what happens and no, it's not scary and that type of thing. So don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's why I did it. I love it. I love it. All right. We'll be right back. You guys, this is Nancy Yero. I'm here today with Joanne DiMaggio. Her book's called I Did It to Myself Again. I know you can pick this thing up on Amazon. Is that right, Joanne? That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. And we'll be right back. Hang on. We have more stories to tell on High Road to Humanity. Check out Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, to book a session with Nancy to learn how to tap into your own abilities. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed a miracle? I think most of us probably have. Whether it's a financial emergency, health crisis, or some other serious situation, most of us know the feeling of helplessness and even hopelessness. Now imagine having to wait for a miracle for six months, even a year or more. That's the situation for thousands of children all around the world who are waiting for a sponsor. Their only hope of escaping the poverty around them is someone like you choosing them. This is Nancy Yearout, and I'm joining with Compassion to give you the chance to be the miracle in a child's life. For a little more than a dollar a day, you'll provide the physical, emotional, and spiritual support a child needs, not just to survive poverty, but to be released from poverty in Jesus' name. Don't make a child wait one day longer for their miracle. You can find out more or sponsor a child right now. Just go to my website, nancyyearout.com. That's www.nancyyearout.com. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Now, welcome back to The High Road. Hi, it's Nancy Yearout, and I'm here today with Joanne DiMaggio, and we're talking about what happens after you die and what heaven is like. And so when they get through the gate, Joanne, and they've got their spirit guide or their family with them, what happens next? What was... What did they say happened next? Well, most of them then went to whatever their spiritual home was going to be. So this is the place. It's like their home base where they stay uh, while in spirit um, until they come back again. Okay. So they said, um, I don't know if if you remember um, the movie, What Dreams May Come with um, Robin Williams. Uh, It was a wonderful book. Uh, made into a a film and I remember in that movie that the afterlife was depicted as the house that he used to live in and um, that's what I found out that almost everybody said that they were able if in their mind's eye they could create whatever image they wanted so some of them did pick a a familiar neighborhood that they used to live in Uh, some of them uh, decided that they were going to be in a pasture in the Alps. Others were in a simple log cabin. Um, Some of them were in an ancient city or a temple. Uh, They created what they wanted to to have as their home. It was always a beautiful day. There was, seems like there was no weather up wherever they were. (laughs) And, um, and they had a brilliant sense of color. Everything was just uh, illuminated, uh, 
but the sense of creating, you know, you think it and there it is, uh, was something that was universally shared by all those in the, in the project. So they created whatever they felt comfortable with and they just thought about it and it was there and it appeared. Now I know, um, and I watched the other movie that you talk about in the book and I was looking, I can't think of the name of it. I watched it the other night just because of this book. Um, and it's that older movie where, uh, they, the guy gets hit by a bus. What was the, I'm trying to Oh, defending your life. Yeah. Def- <laughs> I love it. Defending That's your life. Yes. Right yeah. And I loved it because it's similar to what these people said happened, but, yeah. but you're not really judged. You, 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 when you, go up there, you end up going before a council of elders. Can you talk about that? And who sure. Are well, before they get there, though, they have an orientation session or like a debriefing okay. with, their, with their guide. Okay. And that's where they get to talk about the previous, the life that they just left. Okay. You know, like, oh, what went wrong? Or why, do, why did this happen? They get their questions answered. Okay. Um, then they go into the council, uh, to the council of elders. They are a group of wise beings, ascended masters. Um, They're very loving and they're non-judgmental. Although the council chamber itself was described more as um, like a courtroom or the Senate chamber. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you, and and since most of the elders appeared to the people in in the research project as they all had at least one elderly man with gray hair and a beard wearing a robe. Mm-hmm. So there was something about that that symbolized wisdom or symbolized judgment. But when they actually appeared before the council, there was no judgment whatsoever. Everybody was treated equally. Um, there's no, nobody points a finger and says, boy, you really screwed up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Right. You know, none some, of that people, some people saw mother Mary, some people saw Christ. Yes, and that was what was I found interesting because um, Dr. Michael Newton did a lot of, uh, he's renowned in this field about right. life between lives, and he said that he never had any of his clients ever see a, a religious or biblical character. Almost all of my people did. That's it was wonderful. Jesus, Mary Mother, Mary Magdalene, Moses, an angel, like Angel Raphael or Angel Michael, uh, the ones who saw Jesus, it was a very emotionally jam-packed experience for them. They would burst into tears wow. and they would, and they would say, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. They, they oh, felt privileged uh, to, to be to in have his presence, him, to have him as their guy, you know, somebody there that would show up and welcome them and, and offer them some advice and kind of take a look at that previous life with them. Yeah. And you say the purpose of appearing before the elders was to examine karmic issues. Each soul worked on, but did not resolve and have not yet and have to work on still. So you go before the council and then they say, okay, you did really good here, but you still need work on this. And they make a decision on whether you come back down again. Is that right? No, they don't make the decision about whether you come back down. They help you design the next lifetime. Okay. So in other words, okay. we're looking at the, the, the karmic issues that came up from the previous life. Okay. So for some people, they had an issue with anger or with guilt or with responsibility or relationships or something like that. And okay. so you think of it, think of the council of elders as uh, guidance counselors at school. Okay. So you're designing your the curriculum for your next year's class. Yeah, right. And they're looking at what the pass fail system, what is it that you still need to 
to work on or what have you finished working on you don't have to take it again the the parts about what you finished are your karmic attributes so those are all the things that you've uh, accomplished in previous lifetimes they sort of get put into a karmic bank account and you can pull on them and use them to help you with these karmic issues that you uh, that you've listed so, right so i'm wondering if you've gone through a ton of lifetimes and you and you've paid all your karmic debts, I guess I want to say, and you've learned your lessons, then do you stay? No, you can, if, if there's nothing left to learn, if you've accomplished all that you need, wanted to accomplish, you know, then it's time to just, you can go to a, another plane of existence. Okay. Um, you, you don't have to, um, you know, there are souls who don't have to reincarnate. Okay. Uh, some of them do out of service to humanity. Right. Uh, they think, oh, this, there's something interesting coming up. I want to be there when this happens so that I can be of assistance. Right. But um, the idea is so ironic because we were with we were with our creator in the beginning. Right. And then we saw Earth and we thought, oh, that's kind of a neat place to go. Let's go have a little vacation down there. You know, got kind of caught up in the material aspects of living on this planet then decided, okay, I'm going to stay. I'm a spiritual being inhabiting a, a human body, mm-hmm. but I can't experience all of these things unless I'm a human. So I will, you know, come in and work on one issue after the other until um, there's nothing left for me to work on and I'll go back to whence I came. So it's a circle that mm-hmm. we're, you know, circle of, uh, of life really. I'm, yeah. I'm thinking it's a good thing that we don't remember this or, or we, cause it's tough down here <laughs> in the world. And I think, Oh my goodness. And we must forget how tough it is. Cause then we choose to come back and learn more. So I'm thinking, wow, you know, and it's amazing because life is hard and especially with everything going on in the world today. But then you think we all chose to come. Right. Right. We all did. We all yeah. did. We knew we set this up knowing what the possibilities were. Yeah. Yeah. You have free will. um, But when we get into the part about choosing parents, then you realize how you actually set this whole thing up, which was one of the reasons I wanted to do this research project because so many of my clients, my past life clients Mm -hmm. over the years, always are blaming their parents, their spouse, their, you know, everybody else. It's all his fault that my life is so miserable. Well, no, it's not. It's actually, you designed it this way. Yeah. yeah, I I found that interesting. We're going to talk about that. I have a question. Um, How long do you wait before you return to earth? Was there any kind of, I know they don't have time there. I know there is no time, but I'm just wondering how in our time, I wonder. And the other thing I wanted to ask you, cause you talk about in the book, we don't like people say, Oh, that baby was my grandmother. That's yeah. really not how that works. Can you talk about that a minute? Yeah. As, as far as the time period is, uh, the studies I have read have indicated it's anywhere from 50 years to 200 years between lifetimes, unless there, unless it's an issue of suicide. And then those people come back immediately. Do uh, they? And I was going to ask you about that. So if you, if you take your own life, mm-hmm. you still go up, you go through the gates, you talk to your spirit guides, yeah. you go to the counselors, but then you're sent right back down. Yeah. Because it's like you've dropped out of school. You didn't finish uh, your classes, say, and so uh, you come back and you're going to work on the same identical issues that you, that may have caused you to take your life. Uh, and so it gets harder. So it's best to try to work through 
whatever uh, issues that you're dealing with in the here and now, because one way or the other, it, it's going to come back up again. Yeah. So, um, and then as far as the um, biological, uh, uh, it very rarely do, does a soul return to its biological family, right. uh, the, to the previous biological family. Um, Dr. Newton said the same thing with his study, that he didn't find that to be the case either. Uh, and neither did uh, Ms. Edgar Casey, by the way. So um, so uh, people that are into Ancestry.com, and you know, you have to do a lot more than take a swab of your cheek to find out what your soul's uh, journey has been, what, you know, what your soul's ancestry has been. Yeah. But no, because we change, we change sex, we change pers- uh, uh, roles that we're playing, and that's part of this family um, aspect of this work that we'll talk about but uh, yeah that's very rare I know there are some cultures that do believe that though that, right, um, right. that you come back uh, and, and it's not that it, you can't do it you can but mostly you learn a lot more your soul can learn a lot more if it um, if it comes back in a different biological yeah. family. right and we got about one minute to break but you said something that really hit me it was that that you may come back into a different family but some of the people that you had issues with uh, may have been born somewhere else into a different family, but you all s- somehow end up in the same place to interact yeah. with each other. Yeah. And I thought that yeah. was interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. I had um, the two people that I had the most karmic issues with in this life. One was born in Germany. The other one was born in Virginia. And then I'm born in Illinois. Okay. So um, somehow the universe orchestrates it so that we end up at the same place at the same time so that we can interact with each other. It's, absolutely fascinating the way it works yeah and i wish we knew how that worked (laughs) how do they orchestrate that that's just enough to blow your mind huh (laughs) listen we're getting ready to go to commercial break you guys you got to get this book this is amazing um joanne talks about all these things that we're going to discuss today but then in the back of the book she um gives the case study of each individual um and there's 25 people and they talk about what they're working on and it really helped them i'm sure um this is nancy yero we're here today with Joanne DiMaggio, and we'll be right back. We'll be right back on High Road to Humanity. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, iHeartRadio, or download directly from Nancy's website, nancyyearout.com, so you never miss an episode of The High Road. Do you struggle with knowing the right food for your lifestyle? Is there really a one right way to eat? As a chronic dieter, I was always so confused by the food rules and the fad diets. Where to even start? That's why I decided to go into health coaching. As your health coach, I will help you find the solution that is right for you. I will help you find balance. Unlike most dietitians and nutritionists, I focus on a whole person approach, not just food. I address stress, sleep patterns, underlying root issues, and so many other contributing factors to health. And as a mental illness survivor, I love talking about ways to fire up brain health. If you're interested in learning more and maybe even a complimentary consultation, contact me at www.sparkingwholeness.com or message me on Instagram through the handle Sparking Wholeness. And now let's get back to the show. We want to thank you so much for listening to High Road to Humanity. This is where Nancy and her guests tell stories that will guide you and enlighten your mind and soul. Now, welcome back to The High Road. 
Hi, it's Nancy Yearout, and welcome back to High Road to Humanity. Hey, don't forget to check out my website, nancyyearout.com, if you're looking for a psychic reading. I'm happy to help you. I'm here today with Joanne DiMaggio, and we're talking about past lives, and this is one of my favorite subjects. I liked Edgar Casey as a kid, too. My grandma was really into Edgar Casey, and uh, I've read some of his stuff, and I, I just, it fascinates me, and it, it's so interesting. Um, that you have done this. And I just think it's wonderful. Um, one of the most compelling reasons they say uh, for seeking a past like regression is because they are searching for meaning in this life. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Most of the people who come for a regression are coming because they're at a crossroads. Okay. They, they don't know. Suddenly they're questioning, why am I here? Right. What is it I'm supposed to be doing? I have a feeling like I'm not doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll have people who are healers, for instance, or who want to be a healer. They have a sense that that's who they are, but they're not doing it. And because there's some sort of a block. And so we'll go back and we'll look at that. Uh, Many people who aspire to be a healer, who have that talent, that ability uh, that they came in with, they don't want to do it now because they're afraid. And what the, the fear that kicks in, they don't realize this, is because they were persecuted in the last lifetime when they actually were doing that work. Right. So I, I have a lot of them describe, you know, I'm out in the forest, I'm gathering herbs to make some sort of a, uh, of a medicinal, uh, uh, I don't know. Medicine uh, or whatever. Something, yeah. Right. And, um, and I'm constantly looking over my shoulder because I'm afraid somebody's going to, see me and then take me and then you know so we get through those fears and um others are having problems with patterns that were repeating themselves over and yeah, over Yeah, you talked about relationships. You said people come back and maybe a one relationship didn't work out and so they come back to do it again to get it right this time. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah. so they um <clears throat> We look at patterns when we do the past life regression part because I find that part the most fascinating when they can see the pattern. Because I'll say to them, say that they're that in their past life their name was Sarah. So I'll say, look at Sarah's life, scan Sarah's life, and tell me what's similar about Sarah and you. What do you have going on that Sarah had going on? And that's sometimes the first time that they actually can see that okay. that this is a replay okay. of of something that was started could have been a thousand years ago because as I was showing in my research, it's, we don't, it's not chronological. So the issues that you're working on in this life may not necessarily have been from the life immediately prior to this one. It okay. could have been a thousand years ago, which is what my research was showing. God, that's crazy. That's just it amazing. Is. It is. Gosh, mm-hmm. let's talk about picking your parents. Okay. <laughs> because I mean, there's so much to talk about today. I could talk to you for a couple hours here, Joanne, but you know, um, <clears throat> it's tough. And it seems like, and I'm just going to say this, you always have one parent that's really great and one parent that's really difficult. Talk yeah, about this. They came, in, they came in as a package deal. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me about this. What's the, cause we blame our parents for a lot of the things, but in reality, we ought to thank them because they're here to help us learn in order to get past whatever it was that we came here to do. Is that correct? Exactly. Exactly. So we will look at who, who you're going to choose for your mother, who you're going to choose for your father. Um, and by the way, as a parent, it's wonderful to tell your children, Hey, you picked me. 
you know, I didn't. <laughs> I'm going to use that. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, so they, the, our parents will fill a karmic agreement okay. that we have to either challenge us or to help us. And the rest is on us because we have free will. Right. So we look at them and we say, if that woman is my mother, this is what's going to come up. This is how I'm, this, these are the issues that she's going to bring to my life. This is where I'm, and same thing with the father. And then, you know, this is where I'll be living. I could see now, this is the city I'm going to be living in. This is the socioeconomic background I'm going to have. This is the nationality that I'm going to have, the ethnic descent that I'm going to, whatever. Mm -hmm. Whatever is going to work best for your soul. Um, so you would pick them. And so the opportunities they provide, the lessons they're going to give you to learn so that you can move on, that you would not get with any other parent. That's the important part. So if you have, like, for instance, if you, if you say that your issue is acceptance and approval, right. that's what you're going to work on in your next lifetime. You'll pick parents who will neither accept you nor approve of you. That's and exactly that's very right. Painful. Yeah, I can see that's that. Very, yeah, that's very, very painful. But in the long run, if you could see everybody around you, not just your parents, but your members of your soul family who've come in for the exact same reason, okay? Nancy, you want to work on this issue? That's exactly what we're going to do. If it's abandonment at some point in your life, they're going to, one or all of them will abandon you because they're helping you to learn less. And it also helps tremendously for, for forgiveness on our part, because we look at them and we go, thank you for enabling my soul to learn that lesson. Well, yeah. And so if you had a parent who, who didn't accept you, it, and when I got out of this, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, when I got out of this, if you had one parent that didn't accept you for who you were, it was that you needed to learn that God accepts you and that's all that's yeah. important. That's right, right. And man, I got a lot out of that. I was like, oh, yes. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. It's, it's the lesson there is that acceptance and approval comes from within right. and from above. Right. It not from somebody else. Not outside validation. And it takes right. a long time. That was my issue. It took me so, quite a few years to figure that out. Me too. That's why it meant yeah. so much. When I just want to tell you something. It really helped me personally, and I hope it helps somebody in the audience. Because when you said that, because I have one parent who was just, oh my God, so fabulous. And the other parent was just like you talked about, didn't accept me for anything. And now I realize it has nothing to do with that parent. It had to do with me learning to accept myself and to be connected with God. And that was the most important. Right. Wow. And, and when, when we look at this too, I ask them, I ask the, the volunteer that's looking at the choosing of the parents, right. I'll say, get a sense if you've been with them in a prior lifetime, especially that lifetime that we just visited before we went into the afterlife. Um, and then understand what your karmic relationship is with them, because that's what's playing out here. Yeah. So that, and that's why sometimes you have a really an issue with one parent, but not the other, but they right. came in together as a, as a package deal. And so, you know, like my mother had never been with me in a prior lifetime, but my father had yeah. been with me many, many lifetimes. So I was dealing with him and he came with her, you know, together. So, um, so that was kind of interesting. I wish I, I had understood that when I was younger. But, well, no, you know. that's what, yeah, I just thought that was so great because, you know, and it takes a long time. Like you said, it took me a long time to get to that point. So it, yeah, I just thought that was really interesting. Now you also talk about our appearance. We decide what we're going to look like before we get down here. That's right. pretty crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah, picking a body. That was something that Dr. Newton had in his work um, that I really hadn't thought about, but I did ask uh, I did ask my, my volunteers uh, to describe that to me. Uh, again, it's not a random choice. Um, you choose the body that's best designed to help you with whatever issues that you're going to work on. So we all have layers of male and female in us, right. but about 75% of the time we're one sex over the other. So I've been predominantly female in my lives, okay. but I know a lot of men who've been predominantly male, but there's still that 25% where we cross over and that helps us to understand uh, the other sex. I found it funny that that some of the um, the image that's seared in my mind about picking out a body is one person described it as going into like a dry cleaning uh, place, okay. and you know how the the clothes go round and round. Well, yeah. she said that's how that's how she was seeing the bodies. It's like you know the bodies are going around and she's stopping. But other people said that there were higher beings that were working in that body selection room that were helping to pick the right body. Many of them chose a body that was similar to the body that they had in a previous life just because they liked it. Women sometimes would pick another female body because they wanted to go through the childbirth experience again. Uh, Men would pick a male body because they liked feeling strong and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, powerful. Um, Others picked bodies that had some sort of a challenge, uh, physical challenge with them or mm-hmm. a mental challenge with them. And that was mostly to help other people around them. So, yeah. Um, and everybody, almost everybody in the group said that they were happy that they chose the body that they did, that it did serve them well. That's so I found that interesting too. Now, when we get to heaven, did they say that you stay, like, I know we're etheric. We're at that point. We're not in a body We're you know, we're, just energy, but we do have a shape and a form. Did they keep that shape and form from the last lifetime or can you pick another form when you're up there or how does that work? We didn't really talk about that, but for the most part, they were, um, they were who they were before in the previous life. Okay. Um, that helped them to identify like to recognize uh, relatives and stuff like that, maybe? Yeah, and nobody, nobody really described what they looked like. Up, up, uh, because it doesn't matter, does it? I think they could look like, they could change uh, their look at any given point in time, just the way they could create their spirit home. Right. You know, if you can manifest right. your home, you can manifest whatever you want to look like. That makes uh, sense. So, uh, yeah, so some of them, uh, but, but we didn't really get into, hey, what do you look like? Uh, I had a, I had them describe everybody else with themselves. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> That's great. That's a hole in my research, Nancy. No, no, no. <laughs> Make a note of that. Let's see what we look yeah. like when we get. Yeah, I was just curious because I figured, well, that way, you know, you would recognize your relatives because, and they would recognize you you know, when you first got there. And maybe that would be comforting. I don't know. That's just kind of what I thought. Well, you would recognize them from the physical life you've just ended ended right but the one you're going into you really don't I don't think you know ahead of time what everybody's going to look like because they're all they're all going to enter at different points in time but you'll know know them by their energy huh you you know the essence of their soul you can feel them feel about they'll seem very familiar to you you'll you know 
the eyes, however, remain the same. As Shakespeare said, the eyes are the windows to the soul. The soul and yeah. they are. If you look into someone's eyes, that's where the recognition takes place. I've seen yeah. that happen time and time again. It's that's really so beautiful. awesome. Hey, we're getting ready to go to commercial break. God, this is going so quick today, Joanne. We're here today with Joanne DiMaggio. I'm holding up her book, if you're watching me on YouTube today. It's called I Did It To Myself Again, New Life, between lives case studies show how your soul's contract is guiding your life this is nancy Harrell, and we will be right back we'll be right back with the high road and more don't forget to visit nancy's website at nancyyearout.com to sign up for her online classes or to book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities do you feel like something is missing in your life? Do you feel lost or alone? Do the things you buy for yourself lose their luster quickly? Are you searching for fulfillment within your heart and soul? What if you were given the ability to change your life for the better? To create what you want for yourself? What if I told you you have the ability to tap into the universal energy to design the life you desire? This was my discovery many years ago. As a businesswoman and a single mom, I had no choice but to pay attention to what the universe was revealing to me, and I learned how to use it for my benefit. When you wake up and pay attention to the messages that the universe is showing you, your life will change for the better. Because we all hold the ability to tap into the universal energy to enhance our love life, our career, our finances, anything you wish. This energy was created for our use, and it's free. Now, I'm excited to share this information with you in my book, Wake Up, The Universe is Speaking to You. It's available to you on my website at www.nancyyearout.com. That's N-A-N-C-Y-Y-E-A-R-O-U-T.com, Barnes & Noble, and Amazon. And thanks for picking up my book. And may the energy of the universe bless you. the millions of women each month who listen to Wise Health for Women Radio. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Join us for revitalizing conversations on fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging new, healthier perspectives. You provide a special spark to those around you, and you manage many roles, entrepreneur, mom, wife, coach, friend, daughter, and more. Here's a great way to inspire and nurture you. On Wise Health for Women Radio, host Linda Crater and her amazing guests share how to move toward your wishes and dreams and find what is possible in your busy life. If not today, then when? Take steps to flourish over 40. Join us on Wise Health for Women Radio, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, on iTunes, and more at wisehealthforwomenradio.com. Helping women thrive. We want to thank you so much for listening to the show. Now, welcome back to the high road. Hi, it's Nancy Yerout, and welcome back. I'm here today with Joanne DiMaggio. Joanne, this is fascinating. I just want to tell you, what a wonderful book. Thank you. What thank a you wonderful so book. I mean, I bet it's, has it gotten wonderful reviews so far? I would imagine. I haven't 
really seen any reviews for it yet. So okay. it's it's pretty new, right? Short amount of time, right? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to actually, I didn't get to read through all the case studies, but I'm actually going to take the time because I find this just fascinating. Now, I want to talk about, you talk about memory triggers uh, in the book. Can you talk about that on this last segment that we have? Yeah, yeah. So the last thing before you return to Earth is you are given memory triggers. These are uh, intangible things. Uh, and most people identify a memory trigger as a deja vu experience. Okay. So it's that inexplicable feeling you have of having been somewhere before or know someone from before, but you don't know where or when that happened. Um, so these are things that are meant to trigger our memory in you of that previous lifetime. Um, so now it could be something like um, that you resonate to a certain country you resonate to a certain time period, you resonate okay. to certain architecture or okay. music or food. Um, I always, from the time I was a child, was fascinated with 18th century American history. Okay. Well, it turns out the lifetime I'm working on now is from that time period. So that was a memory trigger that kicked in before I even knew anything about reincarnation or anything about this time period. I just could not get enough of that. I mean, books and movies and I used to have my mom put my hair in ringlets and I'd always be this wear a long dress for Halloween and uh writing with a quill pen because it just was a part of my being which for a girl on the south side of Chicago made absolutely no sense whatsoever that was a memory trigger when I started to get into this work and people started coming into my life Many of them were from that lifetime, and I was able to recognize them. So I could just see them walk, and the cadence in their step triggered something. I'm like, I know that. I know that. I've seen that before. So we all have those memory triggers. Yeah, yeah. It's just up to us to be aware of them and um, to pay attention to synchronicities that occur in our life. And uh, uh, because, because spirit is giving us clues all the time. But most of us aren't thinking about that or aren't open to it. No, and as you're talking about this, I can remember, you know, I grew up in Ohio, for God's sakes, and I, all I could think about was Victorian times. And um, I've been drawn to Victorian houses and Victorian clothes and yeah. things like that. So when yeah. you say this, and then Scotland is really, even though uh, McConaughey is my maiden name, so my father was, you know, Scottish, when I, and I've been to Scotland, but when I went there, I felt like I belonged there and I needed to be there. So mm-hmm. I understand exactly. So that's probably a lifetime, and, and I, I know that. And then, and then you're like, wow, this is really crazy. But you can't go back, can you? <laughs> Can in a regression. <laughs> a regression that's I for love sure. it. Yeah. <laughs> you talk about a prep class that, that we go to. You say we go to school when we're up there to prepare for coming back down here. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, that's where the memory triggers are given. So, okay. uh, so you're going in there, and I, I asked whether they saw um, uh, like, a, like a, a teacher or a prompter somebody okay. that would help us, you know, give out those, those memory triggers. So that's like the last stop before we go to the exit portal. Um, so we kind of finish up. Uh, and most of them went with their guide. Their guide stayed with them through this whole process. Right. And in terms of time, how long this whole process, like I said to you, in Earth time, it could be 50 to 200 years. 
in spirit, who knows? You know, there is no time there. So, um, and it may not be in this particular sequence either. I, I don't know. But you know how in, in defending your life in the end, they're getting on the tram yeah. and they're going off. That I did have some, uh, a few people talk about that that was the mode of transportation to get on these these trams. So, so uh, I don't know if that thought got implanted because they saw the movie Sometimes that happens. That's called cryptoamnesia, where you okay. read a book or you see something, and then that thought, it, 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 and then you can't judge whether that's your thought or, or but it was something you read. Um, so I did have, I think, two who talked about a tram or a train or something like that. That took you back. Yeah, that took you, um, you know, from one point to the other in, mm-hmm. in this uh, in this whole process, and mm-hmm. uh, and then of course, you know. Um, I just took them up to the exit portal and then, um, then I brought them back into, uh, I I mean, I didn't see, we didn't talk about what is it like to go from spirit back into the physical, Mm -hmm. except that in the, in the regression session, in the life between life session, I started to bring them forward. And so then I had them experience what it felt like to be in their mother's womb. Right. As a baby growing in the mother's womb and then being born, then as an infant, then two years old and 10 years old and 21 years old until they were adult age that they and were, were now. Yeah. And then I brought them back. Well, and that's something else I found interesting because you said it was more traumatic for people to be born than it was for them to die. Yeah. 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 I, I thought I that tell, was, I tell a story in the book about a friend that I had when I lived uh, outside of Chicago, uh, we went to see this um, medical hypnotherapist who was doing a past life group, past life regression. Mm -hmm. And we're sitting there and the woman next to my friend starts when we, when he's bringing us through the death experience, Mm -hmm. the woman next to my friend just started sobbing, you know, she just could not be consoled. And my friend turned to her, I don't know what you're so upset about. I've died lots of times. So, (laughs) So people have that sort of nonchalant, you know, that's why when I ask them, what does it feel like to die? They go, oh, it's so freeing. I'm so relieved. I'm so glad that's over with. You know, we're funny beings because when we're in spirit, we can't wait to come back into the physical because, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to experience this. I want to experience that. We're in the physical. Those of us that have the awareness want to go back to our spiritual home. Yeah. And that's how I feel. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When's it going to be over? Yeah. Am I going to learn all these lessons so I can get out of here? <laughs> yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> well, I want to pass go and I want to get my $200. Yes, know? ma'am. Yes, ma'am. But we're all here for a reason. And we're all here to help each other in advance because we're all connected. Right. Exactly. And w- one of the things that I do have them go through is to define what their soul's ideal is. What, what is their soul's mission? Because that is the question they always ask. Why am I here? Right. During the course of the session, we do find out. I'll say to them, now that you know everything that, that happened and you know all the issues, define to me your soul's mission and do it in one sentence or less. So then they come up with things like, I'm here to be a light on the path, or I'm here to be a peacemaker, or I'm here to help others grow, or whatever. Uh, I'm, I'm here to be a healer. Um, once they are able to determine what that is, Edgar Casey called that your ideal. Okay. This is, this is what you, um, this is your standard, you know, so you measure everything by it. And so mine is to empower and inspire through the written word. That's why I'm here. I often say 
that I think of myself as a reporter for the universe. There I like know. to go out and gather the information then then get it out there to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you measure everything that you do by that, uh, by that ideal. Okay. And if it doesn't match up, then don't do it. It's just a detour for you to take. So, um, so that's an important aspect of this work. Yeah. And I read that and I thought that was interesting. And, and I agree with that, actually. That makes a whole lot of sense to me. I want to ask you, we've got a few minutes left. I want to know, how did the people, so you did the regressions. How long did it take you to do these regressions? And what were, what was the most, um, I guess, a fascinating thing that you found from this whole, you know, research project that you did here, Joanne? Um, the regression session itself with each individual, yeah. Yeah. a three-hour session. Okay. Uh, and then I would transcribe it and send it to them. And then I would wait and then do a follow-up questionnaire right. to see, because you need, you need to let this material mar- marinate a little while mm-hmm. within you. Uh, because there's often bleed through afterwards where you're getting bits and pieces of additional information. Um, and I think for me, one of the goals that I had was I wanted to see if, the, if there was a thread of commonality between everybody's experience. Okay. I wanted to see if most people said basically the same thing about the death experience. And they did. And, I, and they did. And my hope was then it would help people who were fearful of death to know, well, gee, if 25 people are saying that it's, it feels so wonderful and so freeing, then maybe that's really what it is. And I should uh, embrace it when it's my time. Right. Exactly. Well, and and then we're not afraid because there is more to this. And I think um, we were talking in the beginning of the show about everything that's going on in the world and all the unrest. But if people realize that we're souls and we're here and we're here to learn, I mean, maybe that would stop some of this horrible, um, you know, situation that we have going on. I guess, what did you learn? What was really surprising to you from this study? What really was your wow moment from this? I think that um, they're tying it together. I had a gentleman who was a, a, an attorney in this life. He went back to a lifetime in which he was a uh, African-American female slave okay. who was whipped to death in a party atmosphere because she was resisting the advances of the slave master's son. Uh-huh. In this life, he came back as an attorney. And what is he working on? Civil rights issues. So there's a tie-in between people's experiences in a past life into how they're balancing out. So in this life, he's, he's white, and he deliberately chose to be Caucasian in this life because he felt like he could do more uh, uh, in terms of the... Um, you know, the socioeconomic kind of uh, atmosphere. Um, And, uh, but that memory is seared in his, in his mind. So, you know, when you look at a 70 something year old gentleman, uh, you don't see this 18 year old uh, African slave uh, girl, but that's in his soul. That's part of his journey. And that's what everybody brought with them when they saw, you know, uh, who they were and what they did, you know, in a previous lifetime. Some of them committed atrocities. Some of them were the the most kind, gentle people. 
um, they all had a different story to tell. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and the way they interacted with the souls around them, knowing now that those souls are back with them right. uh, in the here and now, and they're working together. So I think that by seeing that we have been all races, all nationalities, all we've been both sexes, mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had tremendously uh, fulfilling lives, happy with no trauma, uh, going on at all and we've had another life in which has been nothing but trauma uh -huh. you know but there's a reason for everything nothing is random and I think that for me when these people get an aha moment and because they're connecting everything right. Right. that for me is, is a real humbling experience and I'm really grateful to be a part of this work yeah Joanne thank you thanks for coming thank you Nancy I love this book. I mean, this was awesome. You guys, and if they, people want to get in touch with you, how do they find you, Joanne? Well, if you go on my website, which is joannedimaggio.com, J-O-A-N-N-E-D-I-M-A-G-G-I-O.com, um, there's information in there about this, the sessions that I do. I do regression sessions via Zoom. Okay. Uh, so we don't need to be in the same room. Okay. Uh, and all of my books are listed there, and my uh, speaking engagements are there as well. Wow, you're just amazing. Thank you so much thank for doing you. this work. And thanks for coming on the high road. It's been a pleasure. Oh, it, me too. I've enjoyed every moment. Thank you, okay, Nancy. Thanks. Hey, you guys, this is Nancy Earle. This is High Road to Humanity. Have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Hey, you guys, join me next week on The High Road for more stories filled with wisdom, love, and hope for our future. Have a fabulous week and know that by staying on the high road, you will make it to your destination. Visit my website, nancyyearout.com, where you can book a private session to learn how to tap into your own abilities. And check out my YouTube channel. It's Nancy Yearout's High Road to Humanity. Yeah.